Welcome to the Watermark Students Podcast, a podcast for students featuring students where we discuss the everyday issues of teenage life from a Christian perspective. For more information on Watermark Students, check out watermark.org students, and we hope that this episode is helpful to you. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Watermark Students Podcast. I am so excited for today's topic, which is going to be teenagers asking a theologian questions about the Bible. And so I know a lot of you, you've been reading your Bible or you've thought about God, and there'll be just some things that maybe confuse you or make you wonder. Well, today is the day for your question to be asked. Um, but first off, before we even get into that, let me go ahead and just introduce our, our guests. And I'll start out with just our two student guests today. And so Hattie, I'll start with you. Where do you go to school? What do you do? I go to J.J. Pierce High School. Um, I'm going to be a senior. Um, I swim for club and for Pierce. Um, yeah, that's basically it. There Where do you, you swim? I do like the sprint events. So, cool. yeah. Yeah, let's yeah. go. It's okay and for me to already ask questions. What? Yeah, like, okay, come great. on, Lauren. <laughs> this is your fun. <laughs> but Hattie, you've been, on, you've been on this podcast before, right? What was your yeah. topic? Suffering well. Suffering well. So yeah. you guys got to go back and listen to that. And then another recurring guest that we have is is Maddox. Maddox Vines is here with us today. And so Maddox, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I'm Maddox. I go to Trinity Christian Academy in Addison. Uh, I play football, strong safety. Um, yeah. Come on. And what was your podcast? Remind us. Uh, You've been on, on Join the Journey Join podcast. The journey. It was like, yeah. I think it was Exodus 16. Okay, sweet. Yeah. Well, y'all are both... Good to have you guys back in the studio. And then our actual star guest for the day Not is Oren Martin. And so, Oren, tell us, why why did we pick you as our as our theologian for teenagers to talk to? Well, um, I actually asked the same thing. Why did you pick me? I have no idea. Um, no, really, why'd you pick yeah. me? Man, we picked you, one, just because... Uh, not only your resume, but also truly, or I guess this is where I'll encourage you is just in staff prayer wasn't looking for that. meetings for you is I've just been, um, one, just sharpened one by your, your wisdom. Cause you have, I mean, just a little bit of your resume. You've, you're the equipping director right here at Watermark. And then before that you taught at Southern seminary. It's true. What did you teach? I taught <clears throat> uh, systematic theology. Okay. Uh, yeah. At Southern seminary and boys college for the last 10 years. Yeah. And so a lot of these questions, right. is like yeah. maybe stuff you were answering while you were teaching, but then not only that, I think, you know, there may be a dozen people who have a, like a THM or some theology degree that c could come and answer these questions. But I, I can say just from having got to watch Oren from afar, just your affection that you have for the Lord mm. and the heart you have behind answering these questions, is just um, unmatched. And so mm. that's what I'm excited for is because I think teenagers, that's not only are teenagers or people in general, not only are we looking for the answer, but we're also looking for God's heart and love behind yeah. these answers. And so I'm excited for this, but I'm excited before we even get into the questions. And there's a lot of really good questions here that I know, everyone has has wondered but we want to start out with a little segment or in that we're calling keep keep your pastor relevant okay and so you have um you have one teenager at home right and then a couple of others that are soon to be teenagers yeah. they're going to start using words like no cap or like that's bussing right like they're going to start saying things that you're just like where where does this come from okay and so you we need to help you Oren. yeah i do need help we need to help you and so yeah. maddox is going to introduce to you a, a phrase that um you may or may not have heard but we want you to to at least take a stab all at right. what it means so maddox all right um well, i'll just i don't need to give a definition or anything so just it's um acronym npc 
What does NPC mean? M as in mom? N. 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 As in Nana. Mm -hmm. Yes. NPC. Yes. I have no idea. All right. Do you want to use it in a sentence? Um, Like we were in the mall the other day and it was filled with NPCs. Yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> I need to know, though. Yeah, you need to right, know because you're, right. you're going to start hearing it, I'm sure. All right. Thanks for bringing me on yeah. to humble me. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, well, an NPC is just like you see someone like at the mall and they're just like acting completely like they don't have like any personality. They're just like there. Mm-hmm. Just someone who doesn't like seem to be thinking or moving objectively. Does the yeah. C stand for charisma? What is it? No, no. Yeah. Hattie, Hattie, what does it stand for? It's no player character. Not so, yet. Or whatever. Yeah. 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 It's like it's a video like, game term. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, in video games where it's, I, mean, I don't know if I've you've heard played of video them. games. Yeah. Where you're, no, I've played. Yeah. Yeah. Where you show up and there's a character who, I mean, they're just there. They're yeah. just extras. You know, they yeah. may have one line. That's NPC. Yeah. And so I gotcha. The same thing of just like if someone's just, being a bot that's another word that yeah. people will say is like oh that you're just being a bot right yeah. now you know you're not adding anything i can't to wait this. to go so, home and use these with my yeah kids. yeah go and tell your son you know if he's just sitting around not doing his his chores like i think it'd be appropriate right for orin yeah. to say like dude you're being an npc right now yeah see if they know what i mean yeah see if you need, yeah <laughs> yeah so, so there you go now I, you're learning quick so, story so i went home a few weeks ago and i was just like who among you has the riz and they looked at me, they looked at me like what are you talking about i was like yeah. oh wait your dad is teaching you something that you don't know about what the kids say Bad. and then i told him what it means they didn't know what riz was. no okay. you know no. blake holmes oh. knew what riz was does he really yeah because he was on a couple of i wonder if basic. he knows what npc stands for i doubt he does i think that one's like a little that was like 101 yeah, riz yeah. is like yeah. 101 this is like 201 yeah, so yeah. Um, but <laughs> Oren, well you're already off to a bad start the first question you didn't know the answer to but um i think these next questions will be a little more of your uh, man let's hope so. rally so maddox why don't you go ahead and just ask i know so you guys wrote some questions down that you personally mm-hmm. want to ask uh maddox and hattie and then i have some questions that um at one of our shorelines a youth gathering a few weeks ago we had some students text in some questions and i took a couple of those um and we'll be asking on behalf of the students that texted in but maddox why don't you go ahead and ask the first question that that you wrote down all right um so a couple weeks ago or in my community group we um talk about salvation um that's been a key topic recently and we were wondering uh about people at our school who they're they're on fire for their faith all this stuff and then all of a sudden they turn to the things of this world and they just completely go down mm. um and just don't be aren't aren't living a life for the lord and uh we were just wondering like for someone who has salvation 100% and they just totally drop out is do they lose their salvation or yeah. is there a is there just like i don't know something or do they keep it or mm-hmm. lose it? Yeah, that's a great question. That's a great question. So I would say that, well, a couple of things. One, if you can earn your salvation, mm-hmm. you can lose your salvation. And I say that because we understand from Scripture that we don't earn our salvation, right? Salvation is, is a gift by God's grace. Mm-hmm. So you think about Ephesians 2, 4, right? But God, being rich in mercy with the great love with which he loved us, uh, uh, by grace you have been saved through faith, not as your own doing, it's re- but not as a result of your works, but it's a gift of God, right? Mm-hmm. So we understand that from beginning to end, salvation is a gift of God. And if if that's true, which I would argue it is, and many other many other uh, scriptures testify to the fact that it's by grace, it's not by works, uh, it's it's not by by our doing, it's by by what God has done for us in mm-hmm. Christ. 
uh, then if that's the case, then he's done everything that we need uh, to persevere in the Christian life, to, to make it to the end. So in other words, for the Christian who's, who's genuinely, truly saved, uh, that person is immediately upon their faith in Christ, united to Christ, and they're given every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, that's Ephesians 1.3, which includes the gift of the Spirit, Ephesians 1.13 and 14, that says, after having believed, you received the Spirit, who is the guarantee or the seal of your salvation until your full inheritance is to come. So God is so committed to our salvation from beginning to end. He's given us himself in the person of, of, mm -hmm. of his spirit uh, to, to keep us so that we might persevere to the end. And he's so committed that he, he's, given the, he's given the down payment. He's given the guarantee. And so the guarantee of his salvation is the gift and person of the spirit who will keep us so that we persevere to the end. Now, to your question about what, what if people who you know show, show signs of being saved, maybe they're excited, maybe they've given a profession of faith, uh, scripture has a lot to say about that too. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think about Matthew seven that says, "Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, uh, but one who does the will of my Father." And then they'll and they'll say to me in that day, Jesus says, "Didn't didn't we do all these things in your name? Didn't we prophesy? And didn't we do all these miracles?" And <clears throat> and Jesus responds and says, uh, "Depart from me, I never knew you." Mm -hmm. So, in other words, there is such a thing in Scripture as a category of a false conversion of, of someone who gives a profession of faith that for whatever reason, it's out of, of wrong motivations. And and it it may take some time, maybe it takes six months, maybe it takes 20 years, uh, but eventually th that false conversion will bear fruit in in them not uh, professing faith, right? Or, or them mm -hmm. denying Christ. And so I, what I would say to that is that was never a true conversion. Again, because if you're if you're a true Christian, you will persevere to the end. Scripture has no other, no other category for salvation. Uh, so I would call that a false conversion. And you know, one last passage, First John uh, four says, First John two says that they went out from us, talking about kind of people in their their uh, 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 circle of ministry. They went out from us, but they were never truly of us. Mm -hmm. So, in other words, they they may look like they're a part of us, but they were never truly Christians because. Uh, if they were truly of us, if they were genuinely saved, they would have remained with us. But they went out from us to show that they were truly never of us. Mm -hmm. So I think that 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 if you follow that that uh, argument very carefully, what he's saying is the fact that they that they left the faith shows that they were truly never uh, uh, participated mm -hmm. participators in the faith. Mm -hmm. right? okay. um, and but but you know from our perspective, we don't know. Right, we we yeah. can't see the heart. Only God knows that. Uh, we we can just uh, see the fruit, mm -hmm. right? And and you know, I think that you know, to kind of get to a pastoral question, how do we encourage the new Christian? And how do we encourage the the mature Christian? We see both of those categories in Scripture: new Christians, mature Christians. We actually encourage them in the same way: continue in God's grace, continue in the grace that 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 uh, it, to, to be strengthened by God's grace and strengthened in His Word. Uh, so and and God will do the work, right? Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, love that. I love that line, or about um, I think I don't know if you phrase it exactly like this, but if you could earn your salvation, then you could lose it. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. but say it another way, like you did nothing to earn it, so yeah. you did nothing to lose it. That's so, right. Love Salvation's that. by grace. God will keep us by His grace. Come on, love that. Okay, I've got an easy one for you, Oren. All right. <laughs> this one was uh, one that was texted in from students, and this is kind of a compilation of a few different questions we got about people just asking, "What does God want for my life? Like, what is my life's purpose? Um, what should I do with my life?" And so, would you guys, like, as teenagers, 
Hattie Maddox, when you guys say that's something that you wonder often, it's just like, yeah. what should I do next, you know, or what does God want for me? Um, and so that's why I compiled it of just like, how do I know what my life's purpose is? Yeah, Lauren? that's great. Um, uh, what, what comes to mind is uh, the first line from the Heidelberg Catechism that was written about 500 years ago. And it says that, that man's chief end is to know God and enjoy him forever. So when you say, what do I, what do I know my life's purpose is? That's life's person. Now, now, when we think about what is my purpose, we often think about like, who should I marry? Uh, what, what, what major should I choose in college? What job should I take? What, whatever it is, right? But th- those things can kind of come and go. Those are secondary or even tertiary kind of questions or issues. But, but the chief purpose is to know God mm-hmm. and enjoy God, right? Mm-hmm. Jesus says that in John 17, 3. This is eternal life, that they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Uh, you know, Scripture has a lot to say on what's clear, right? For the will, God's will for a Christian is is their sanctification, right? First Thessalonians uh, four, or yeah, First Thessalonians four says, "This is God's will for you, your holiness," right? And and so I would say, if a Christian is pursuing holiness, if a Christian is pursuing uh, the very purpose for which God has called them, namely to be conformed to the image of of His Son Jesus Christ, then God's going to lead you in what the other purposes are: spouse job, friends, all that kind of stuff. But, mm-hmm. but our purpose, right? What, what an amazing calling, right? That, yeah. our, that our job as Christians is to know God and, and knowing him, we experience life, right? Joy, mm-hmm. peace. Amazing. Come on. Um, have you ever had the Heidelberg Catechism quoted on a youth podcast? <laughs> I don't think we have. No, yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's go. What is a catechism, by the way? Uh, How would you cate- describe yeah. that? Catechesis uh, was the early form of, uh, of teaching people the Bible through the form of questions. Okay. So, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a question. So, cate- you know, catechizing children. Cate- this Churches have done this for millennia. It's a very modern phenomenon that churches don't do it. Uh, in, uh, but some churches still do. But, yeah, it's just a modern form of teaching. Yeah. What is man's chief end? Question. Mm-hmm. Answer is. To know and glorify God. Love that. What is my hope in life and death? All kinds of questions. Yeah. Cool. Um, a question I Patty's had. like, cool. <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> um, so I've been reading through like the Old Testament and like just comparing that with like the New Testament, like God just seems a lot like harsher mm. and like kind of like mean in the Old Testament. Yeah. And so I had like my question is like, why was God so harsh in the Old Testament and like the New Testament, he doesn't seem as harsh. Yeah. Yeah, and that is a, a great and complex question. Uh, to, to try to simplify, maybe to give a simple answer, would say that God is who He is in both the Old and New Testament. He He's both uh, holy and gracious and merciful in the Old Testament, and He's both holy and gracious in the New Testament. Uh, and and where do we see that? So um, one. In the midst of Israel's sin and idolatry, you think about uh, Exodus 32 to 34, right? After God delivered them from the hands of the Egyptians, uh, from, from, uh, from slavery, he's leading them into the promised land. Uh, they sin greatly against the Lord, right? And, and we see God's judgment on display because he is holy and must punish sin. Uh, yet in the, in the midst of that judgment, in the midst of, of confronting their sin and idolatry, what does Exodus 33 and 34 says? It says that God is merciful slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Uh, and, and so we, we see in the midst of sin and judgment, God's mercy. And, and we see that mercy uh, shower over his people Israel in the Old Testament time and time and time again in the face of their sin, right? Uh, and we see their sin time and time and time again. And, you know, things get so bad by the end of the Old Testament 
God sends prophets, both both to 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 bring God's judgment, to speak a word of judgment, but also to speak promises of there's going to come a day when God's going to come and he's going to save his people. And so we see that the Old Testament end in mercy in, in a gracious promise uh, that uh, that God will bring salvation. And and God fulfills his promises in the New Testament. And so we see Jesus coming and, and announcing that those promises of salvation, uh, th- that in me you have eternal life. Uh, and yet Jesus at the same time speaks a lot about judgment. Right, uh, woe to you! I was actually reading this morning in in, uh, in my own kind of devotional time with the Lord. Woe to you, uh, uh, Tyre and Sidon! Right, it would have been more tolerable for you than than for other sinful people. Uh, but God did these things that you might repent. And if you don't repent, uh, there there's going to be a place uh, that's described as a, a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so Jesus spoke a lot about judgment and punishment and, and hell as well. Uh, and so I would just say. It's the same God from beginning to end. Uh, and the second thing I would say, you know, in addition to seeing his his judgment against sin and his mercy in the face of sin, both in Old and New Testaments, is, you know, for me, when I tend to, th- to maybe have those questions too, which is, which is a real question, like God seems harsh. Oftentimes it, it's motivated in my own heart as when I have a small view of sin, I'll have a small view of God's holiness. But when I see my sin, against an infinitely holy God rightly, then I understand that because God is holy, he must punish sin. And, and the glorious thing is he has punished all sin uh, and, and he did that willingly, right? Jesus came for the joy set before him to endure the cross. So we, we see God's justice and mercy meet in the cross of Christ where Christ takes the judgment for our sin and in exchange through trusting in him, we get to experience his mercy. Yeah. Did I answer your question? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great. Cool. All right. Um, so my second question, uh, I kind of was talking to my parents about this, and uh, it just was a question that came to my mind um, about addictions because recently I've been helping one of my friends through addiction. Mm. Um, and it, it's – is it a sin to like own something that could help feed someone else's like mm. a casino, a bar or something like that where like you're, you're not sinning, but you are profiting off of someone else's like possible addiction. To yeah, it. man, that's a, that's a good question. It actually makes me go back to the, that question we asked a couple of questions ago that, that our chief end is to know God and enjoy him forever. And so I would ask this way. What, what what would be a Christian's motivation for owning a bar, a casino, et cetera, right? And, and can they own a bar, casino, et cetera, in a way that promotes knowing God and enjoying him forever? <clears throat> and because we know that the very purpose of, of those things, right, is driven by money mm-hmm. uh, and they, they don't promote human flourishing, right? I think for Christians, um, God... Uh, uh, has clearly made it known that we should pursue vocations that that promote human flourishing, right? And all kinds of destruction comes from from those things because you know, sell alcohol and abuse of alcohol, casino gambling, all these kinds of things, right? So, so I would just say, you know, if a Christian can do their work hardly as under the Lord, as Colossians three says, if they can uh, know and enjoy God uh, in their life's mission, if, if they can. Um, bring human flourishing, right? People made in God's image through those things, then go right ahead. Now, I would say that would be a really difficult, if not impossible argument to make, right? Yeah. If, if you kind of have those parameters in place. 
Uh, here's a follow-up question on that, just real quick. Like, let's say, could could two people disagree on this? Like, if I started a winery or something like yeah. that, and and Oren, you were like, man, Will, I don't think that's a good idea. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I don't feel any conviction about that. Can we... Can two Christians still be Christians and disagree? Absolutely, yeah. And I would even make an argument that a winery is different than a bar. Right, for sure, yeah. Because we all understand that drinking is not a sin, Mm -hmm. right? If it's done in moderation, Mm -hmm. not getting drunk is. Ephesians 5 clearly Mm -hmm. tells that. Um, And so, you know, I would just say, like, it's it's generally the case that that bars— the the purpose is not mm-hmm. drinking in moderation, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but if if it can be, right? Then uh-huh. yeah, Christians can disagree. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's it's not a primary issue. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Yeah. There's some hard arguments to make there for yeah. casinos and maybe some bars, but yeah. Uh, so that's why I wanted to avoid yeah. saying, oh, it's you know, it's a blanket statement. It's a sin. Yes. But I'm coming really close to saying that. Yes. It'd be really hard to justify that as a Christian. Yes, I absolutely agree. Okay, uh, this next question and. Um, Again, this is one that got texted in and just, you know, really broke my heart when I read it because I just know that there is a lot of maybe just personal feelings behind mm. this question. Mm-hmm. But and, and this is it. It says, why did God give my dad sickness? Mm. And I think I think we could phrase that question in a lot. of. I think everyone has their own phrasing of like, why did you let my mom die? Why did you um, allow this to happen? But so generally speaking, like how would you answer that question and yeah. the broader question as a whole of why does God let bad things happen yeah, to good people? Man, that is, that's a painful question because you can hear the heart behind mm-hmm. it. And, you know, I'll just say first that I don't answer this question as a, as a disinterested observer. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad died of AIDS uh, when I was 18 years old mm-hmm. and he would, had been sick for two years before that. And these are the questions mm-hmm. that I asked. Mm-hmm. Um, of, of, of why would God allow this to happen, mm. right? And so I, I even think in that statement, um, why did, so, so we see a, maybe a, a, a primary or God directly acting, why did God give my dad sickness versus why did God allow mm-hmm. my dad to be sick? Um, we, we do understand from scripture that God is sovereign, right? Mm-hmm. But we also understand that as a result of sin in Genesis 3, this world is broken. Yeah. And, and all of us, uh, are born into that world, and by nature and by choice, we're sinners, right? And, and and we we are broken inside, and we experience the brokenness of the world, and and getting sick, even terminal sickness, is a consequence of this broken world, right? And and why does God allow that? Um, I don't know other than to say that God is is working all things to the summing up of the sum of all things in Christ, as Ephesians 1, 10, 11 says, and that even in the midst of sickness of living in a broken world and experiencing the brokenness in our own bodies and our in our people like our father's bodies, um, it's it's uh, there's a mercy there that even in the midst of sickness, uh, God is working to save. Uh, and and not only save us individually, but there's going to come a day when he's going to create a whole new world mm. where there is no more sickness and there is no more death and there is no more cancer and there is no more AIDS and divorce and so on and so forth. So um, wh- wh- why does God allow it? Um, b- because that's the consequence of living in a broken world. Um, but but the good news is it's not going to stay broken. Yeah. Um, yeah. Jesus Amen. is going to come make all things new. Yes. Can't wait. It makes two of us. Yeah. Maybe four of us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, my second question, just because, like, I don't know, I've always wondered about this, but, like, if God has, like, chosen us to, like, be his people, then how does it make sense that he still, like, lets us, like, have free will and, like, choose yeah. to follow him? Yeah, that's a great question. So did God choose us or did we choose him? And I would simply answer yes. 
Both are true, <laughs> right? Yeah. Which, which is, you know, sounds yeah. kind of funny to our to our human creaturely finite minds. Um, I'm not God. We're not God. We don't know the infinite mind of God and how those two things come together. But I don't, I don't know if I've read a better statement on how these. This there's a word for this called compatibilism. That that both things are true because Scripture teaches that they're true. One that God is absolutely sovereign. He's declared the beginning from the end. Isaiah forty six ten says um, that that He has created darkness and light. Uh, that, that He's sovereign over uh, uh, peaceful cities and destructive cities. Right? He's 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 sovereign over everything. Right? Life, death, light, darkness, history. Right? Beginning and end. Yet we also know from Scripture that we, as men and women, are responsible for our decisions. Right? And we will be held accountable for our decisions. So. You know, all that to say, like Scripture teaches those those twin truths equally and clearly. Where those two things come together, we just we simply lack the capacity to to make those two things come together. Actually, Charles Spurgeon said something like that. He's like, God's sovereignty and our responsibility are like two train tracks running parallel. Uh, he said, where they meet, I don't know. Right? Only God knows in the mind of God. But uh, what God has ordained, right? We do freely. Right? That's kind of the best statement I've ever heard. God, God ordains from, from eternity past what we do freely, right? The choices that we make are genuinely our choices. No one's coercing us. No one's twisting our arm and making us do these things. No, we are, we are freely choosing those things. Yet those choices are in accor- accordance with God's sovereign plan from the foundation of the world. Okay. Oh, come on. Yeah. Love that. That makes sense, Hattie. Yeah, <laughs> as mu- as, it makes sense yeah. as much yeah. as we can. Yeah, say yeah, it, makes much, sense, it makes no right? sense. Yeah, yeah and, and, and I do think you know there's a there's a you know personal and pastoral moment we can stop and say, we may not understand it, but but we can trust the Lord mm. um, because He is good. Mm-hmm. Where do we see that supreme goodness? We see that supreme goodness and love, uh, not in anything in us, but we see that supreme goodness and love demonstrated in the cross of Christ. Right? God demonstrates His love toward us. Romans five eight says. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So I don't have to look to you know, X, Y, or Z, my circumstances, my bank account, my relationships, my job, my whatever, to know that God is love. I look to the cross of Christ. That's a demonstrable fact in history. So I may not understand how those two things come together, but I do understand that God can be trusted mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. of the goodness of Christ. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Thank you. Maddox, do you have one more question? Uh, I do. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so I was talking with my um, small group leader about this one. Um, just cause I wanted to see if he had any questions. Um, because if he has a question, it's pretty major. So, um, <laughs> so, uh, in the old Testament, um, he was reading and he found several references to the angel of the Lord. Yeah. Um, he was wondering cause he, he used commentaries and stuff and found conflicting results, but he was wondering if that was Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. Uh, and there have been, uh, all kinds of answers given. So, you which know, could you give a example? Like, I think in is it Joshua when? Yep, there's the, the angel of the Lord, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the army right uh-huh. there. Also, uh, uh, Abraham in Genesis, I want to say 18, where mm-hmm. an angel of the Lord comes to him, and then yet he, this angel's identified with the Lord. Uh-huh. Uh, and then also in Exodus, I want to say three, where it's an angel of the Lord that comes to Moses. And then kind of later on, he it's this angel somehow identified with the Lord, like okay. it's called the Lord. Uh-huh. Uh, so, so there is some mystery there, and um, you know, so so some people will call those theophanies; those are just mm-hmm. appearances of God in kind of 
you know, maybe material form. Some people would say those are Christophanies, that it's actually the, the person of Christ who comes, kind of a, a pre, pre-incarnate Christ is what people would call it. And, and, uh, and some people would just say like, I don't know. Um, and so what I would say is a couple of things. I don't think they're pre-incarnate appearances of Christ. This is mm-hmm. maybe a technical argument uh, because there's something unique in the incarnation. So, you know, the, the time when the word became flesh, when the, the, the eternal son of God, the second person of the Trinity named the word, John 118 tells us, uh, assumes a human nature. That was a unique and unrepeatable event, right? In the mm-hmm. fullness of time, God sent forth his son, Galatians 4 says, born of a woman, born under law, that he might redeem us from the curse of the law. So I just don't know what it means to say, well, Jesus took a pre-incarnate form too. He took a human body there, but then just kind of threw it off. I think that it, t- it, t- it tends to to undermine or diminish the unique time whereby the son took into union with himself a human nature, right, a body and a soul. So I would I would lean against saying they're Christophanies. Um, you know, was it you know, was it God? Who's the who's the, the other person in the lion's den or the, the fiery furnace with Daniel? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, I have to tell a story. Augustine in his book on the Trinity, which is the most exhaustive book on what the, on who God is as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He goes through like 200 pages of examining every example of, of theophany, Christophany, what do you want to call it? And he comes to the end of it and he's like, I don't know. <laughs> so, you know, that's basically right. Like I totally like yeah. hunt on it. You know, like I can mm-hmm. kind of look at the context and say, at the end of the day, I don't know. But what I do know is it does establish a pattern in the Old Testament whereby an agent of the Lord is also identified with the Lord. And that prepares the way for the fullness of time when the son comes and he is the Lord. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and what happens in shadowy form in the Old Testament now is in full bloom when the son, right, an agent of the Lord becomes fully man and acts as the Lord, right? So he's not just identified with God. He is God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he uh, He represents us for us and for our salvation. That's awesome. So short answer, you yeah. don't know. Yeah. But the angel <laughs> of the Lord in the Old Testament points to yes. the yeah. real, like That's the right. actual physical representation. Yeah. And you know, Christians can disagree, right? Yeah. Yeah. Some people like push back, like, no, I think it's an early appearance of Jesus. I'm like, great. It doesn't affect our salvation, yeah. right? Yeah. It's a secondary issue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, well, I, I want to ask rapid fire one more question, yeah. and then I have one last broad question for all of you guys, which I want you to be thinking of this too, uh, Hattie and uh, Maddox. You guys can answer the last question. So go ahead and be thinking of it. But um, I want you guys to think, like, what advice would you give to your younger self um, reading the Bible? And I'll be the last question I ask. But before that, one more rapid fire question from you, yeah. Orin, just because I think it's funny, is I had – there was a couple of versions of this question, but the one that got texted in that I loved said, will I gain weight in heaven? Um, and so, but the broader, there was a couple others that were like it of like, what, what will we be like yeah. in heaven? And so, you know, answer that. Like if, yeah. if you're a 14 year old who, who, and you tragically pass, like, will you be 14 yeah. in heaven? Will you gain weight? Will we be strong? Will I be finally like jacked and handsome? <laughs> you know, like what, what will it be like? What will no, we that's be That's not like? to say that you aren't that now. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, so I would say, look to Jesus, right? So in other words, the, the risen glorified Jesus after his resurrection, his disciples recognized him, right? So he looked like he did when he died. Um, and, and not only that, he also bore the scars of, of his, of his, of his death. And, and, uh, so, you know, he, he tells Thomas in John 20, you know, put, feel my hands, put your hands on my side. So, you know, I think if we take our, our pattern as as uh, as Jesus, like people are going to recognize us, right? We're gonna we're gonna look like we look now, 
Uh, and, you know, Philippians 3, 20 and 21 says that, that he will transform our lowly bodies, right? These bodies we currently have that are sick and will die into glorious bodies like his, Jesus's. So we'll have transformed, glorified bodies like Jesus had that will, I don't know, you think about, I think we'll have the scars that I, that I bear now uh, and, that, uh, and, and that I'll look like I look now. The second thing I'll say is not to go back to Augustine, but I want to go back to Augustine. He has this long tome on the on the um, city of God, and he he answers these kinds of questions at the end. He's like, "Are people are going to be fat, or are they going to be really skinny in heaven?" And he's like, <laughs> "They will be neither. They will be proportional, meaning you'll be neither fat nor 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 skinny. Uh, each one will kind of be uh, yeah proportional to their height." So I think that's a hilarious question. The other thing he says <laughs> is. Um, uh, uh, how old will we be? He says 30, because that's the age where we are fully grown and mature and developed, yet it's right before we start declining. So it's the complete perfect time before we start like breaking down. And so mm-hmm. everyone will be 30 years old. Okay. There we Thank go. you, Augustus. <laughs> well, At the I end mean, of the day, I don't know. So I've, proportional means I will yeah. be shredded and jacked, yeah, though, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's what I want to hear. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. That's back, the moral of the story. Yeah. Back to the last question. Maddox, I'll start with you and, and we'll end with this of just um, Maddox, Hattie, and then Oren, I'll ask you the same thing. What, what advice would you give? Uh, mm. To any teenager listening who's reading their Bible, has questions like these, or just just in general, Maddox, we'll start with you. What advice would you give to a teenager reading their Bible? Well, <clears throat> first, I would um, get a group of guys or girls to get around um, who you can dive into the Word with if you have questions, um, or even older people. Um, it could be your peers, younger, older, it doesn't matter. Um, just get around people with solid faith who can help you through the struggles um, help you in the high moments, all that stuff. But also, uh, there, there's gotquestions.org. Um, that's really helpful. Uh, and then there, there are a couple, and I use commentary when I read my Bible mm-hmm. too. So mm-hmm. if I have questions or even after I read, I'll just go dive into a commentary on my phone. Um, I, I hop around different ones. Um, mm-hmm. but it, it's a really great way for you to understand the Bible from a, different perspective than you just reading it. Cause I think mm-hmm. you just reading it and putting it away really is not productive for you and your relationship with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Patty. Yeah. I would say something similar, just like when you have questions like about confusing things that you, cause there's like some confusing things in the Bible, at least for me, like when I was younger and I like, didn't really ask, I feel like when I was confused, I would just kind of like keep reading and I was just like, what is happening? So like, I would definitely say like, have people that you can like ask those questions to and like dive into it more because that like leads to more fruit and I feel like growth um, with the Lord. And then also to like have a group, like a community group or just group that you can like talk to about what you're reading. Um, So I would say that's a helpful thing for me Mm -hmm. too, but yeah. yeah. It's good. Yeah. What would you say, Oren? Thinking back to your 17 year old self. Oh, man. I was an idiot back then. Uh, <laughs> I'm less of one now, but uh, I definitely was then. I would say, you know, for, for if you're not a Christian, trust in Jesus. Like he's mm-hmm. worth it, right? Mm-hmm. Find your life in him. If you are a Christian, then root your identity in Christ. Uh, if you are in Christ, I wish I knew this as a 17 year old. Then, then you're not identified by your past, by your struggles. You're identified by Christ's past, right? That I've died with Christ. I've been raised with Christ. I've been seated in the heavenly places with Christ. And therefore, I'm loved. Mm. Uh, and I have every everything I need for life and godliness in Christ through his word. 
And and so, you know, the second thing I would say is, man, give yourself to the local church, like mm. to, to sit under good preaching and teaching week in and week out, to to be in fellowship with other brothers and sisters in Christ, you know, in your, you know, high school, middle school group, uh, to, uh, committed to your growth in Christ. So. Yeah. Man, Oren, thank you for coming on and thank you so much. I mean, one for your time, but then two, I think everyone listening to this, I hope, I hope they see what, I, like I started this podcast, what I've seen afar from you is that you know all the answers to a lot of these questions, but not only that, but you just display a real heart and love for mm. Christ that is just infectious within these answers. So mm. thank you. And then Maddox, Hattie, same for you guys. Thank you for taking time out of your morning to come in and record this. So um, that concludes this episode of the Watermark Who's podcast though. And so like I always say, go smash the subscribe button, go leave a review, share it with a friend. Um, and if you have any other questions, feel free to DM us shoreline, uh, at Shoreline Dallas on Instagram. And uh, maybe we can find a word and help craft a response for that question. But uh, thank you guys. See ya.